Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we, as usual, unpack the big political stories of the week. I'm Mike Siluma. Uh, leading our top stories this week will be Dr. Zuelim Kize going on special leave, and we're going to be asking, can he, should he be contemplating coming back? And then our second story, of course, we will be looking at the Gauteng School sanitization scandal and follow the trail of the looted money. Let's welcome now my guests uh, this week, uh, William Gumede, who's Associate Professor at the School of Governance at Vets University, as well as uh, Graham Hoskin, who's a senior reporter on the Sunday Times. This icon is racist. I've never, ever been a spy. Can the PBS bank uh, loot The problem is that pinky. I'll never subject myself to whiteness. I'm listening. Can you have consistency, Honorable Chair? Corruption was an Olympic sport. They will always win gold. This is not a shape. Can you please come in? Now, William, let let me start with you. Uh, The the minister took special leave this week, uh, Dr. Zulim Kize. Um, what, what do you think may have happened behind the scenes? Because initially he seemed very reluctant to step aside or step down, you know, whichever way one, one looks at it. And then suddenly we hear that he, according to him, he asked to be put on, on special leave. Um, what do you think may have happened there? I think it is very likely that the president had a conversation with him. And then the president said to him, look, Based on you know preliminary reports, at least a conflict of interest, and that I have no choice um, given the public position to have you around. Uh, the president must be said to him, you know, as the president, my choice, or what I can do, I've got two choices. The one is to um, ask you to resign, to fire you. I mean, you could take um, temporary leave, and I think the temporary leave uh, um, is most probably from suspended. Um, but he is stepping aside temporarily while uh, investigation. Mm. Now, what what are we dealing with here, uh, William? Because you know, often these things uh, uh, overlap. You know, uh, do do we do 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 we follow the political, uh, legal, or ethical considerations? And 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 in what order would you say you know they should be? In, because you know, often you know, people often people will say, "Look, you know, he hasn't been found guilty, so he must just carry on, you know, in in his merry way, you know, because he hasn't been found guilty in a court of law." Other people will talk about ethics, you know, to say the ethics are actually separate and independent of the legal processes, you know. So, so what, 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 where should we be looking, you know, in a situation like this? You know, by law and by the constitution. Um, there is the issue of conflict of interest. Um, you know, a conflict of interest, we don't, you don't need to have a full uh, investigation to be completed or a person to go to court. Um, but conflict of interest has a higher standard. Now, conflict of interest, uh, when it pertains to an elected representative, the standard is that there must be a perception, even if the perception is not real, if there's a perception, it is a conflict of interest. And I think many, uh, you know, elected representatives don't understand that. I mean, I run the program um, for members of parliament of the British Commonwealth, um, you know, which includes uh, um, uh, peers from India, Jamaica, Canada, Australia. And, and this is one part of the course often that people struggle um, to understand is, uh, is, is the perception of a conflict is a conflict and you need to step aside. Mm. 
Why do you think it t- it took so long for the for, for the for the issue to you know to resolve? If 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 you know as as you're putting it, it should be a straightforward thing for a particular. The more presumably the more senior a leader is, the the easier it should be for them to understand this. Why why, why would it have taken him more than a week to decide to do? anything about it and uh, as well with the president uh, you must also include uh, uh political considerations and i think that has um did um decision clearly the first political consideration is that um uh, you know um dr mckizzy is a very competent um health minister and within their cabinet he stands out because you know sadly uh president ramaphosa's cabinet um, are mostly made up of very incompetent um, uh, ministers um, and individuals who many of them don't have a clue uh, uh, what they're doing. And, and, um, and, and here you have, you know, uh, educated person, I mean, not that of course brings competency, but here, you, you know, in, in Dr. Zuelim Kizzi's um, case, a competent person, a person with his feet on the ground um, and who knows his subject, is a medical doctor. And in the public eye so far, um, in his dealings with the COVID uh, crisis, he has done well, um, if you compare him um, with the other ministers. Secondly, also politically, you must remember when um, Soramaposa was elected as agency president at the NASRA conference um, in 2017, one of his competitors initially was Dr. Mukhizi, and then Dr. Mukhizi side and offered his support to Ramaphosa. So there's a, you know, there's a political quid pro quo here that, um, you know, Ramaphosa would be reluctant to fire this man that helped him as ANC uh, uh, president. The group of the ANC, that, uh, Jacob Zuma, the sort of populist wing, or, you know, they call themselves um, radical economic transformation, um, that Ramaphosa is only firing, you know, sort of Ismahasula, Jacob Zuma camp. And those who are in his camp or, or partners with his very relations also behind the scene. Um, uh, and maybe the last consideration, sadly, um, ANC members and leaders uh, believe that um, even if you're wrong, um, you know, you should not be um, taken on, you should not be held accountable until you, the court has announced or pronounced uh, on whether you did a wrong thing or the right. Uh, Professor Gumete, I, I just want to ask you, you, you mentioned the, polit- the, the, the political considerations, and then earlier on, before that, we were talking about the ethics, about the conflict of interest, right? Now, are, are we not being naive in expecting uh, politicians to be ethical in, in that sense? Um, you, you know, <laughs> I didn't want to laugh about this, but, you know, um, we still expect um, um, you know, politicians um, or elected and public representatives to be ethical. And I know, you know, we've uh, people have become so cynical in the country. People have become so, um, you know, they've given up and sort of, you know, people have become helpless, become so systemic in this country where it's become part of our DNA and our culture. And cases, unfortunately, have become very low. But in order to change the culture of corruption and the lack of accountability, um, uh, accountable to higher expectations mm-hmm. so he might he might he might lie low and then maybe we see him making his move again closer to to the ngc whenever it happens or another uh, kind of opportunity like that absolutely so i think it's best opportunity and most probably not only his best opportunity but i suspect really um, instinctively that's mostly what he's going to do is raise his head 
um, at the agency's um, upcoming national conference, or if there is an earlier national uh, a special conference engaged there. But I think also what he would most probably do, if 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 there's, um, he may be a person who would be an alternative candidate. candidate um, so I think he would still count um, um, it, it was some options, uh, at least politically, because there is a conference coming up. Mm. Now, 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 you 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 teach at at the school of governance, um, and 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 I would be interested to hear your view on 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 his stand-in uh, replacement. Uh, now you've got a, you are you are in the middle of a pandemic, uh, the biggest pandemic that that we've known in our you know in our generation. Um, we're not on top of it. Uh, you've got a doctor being in being in charge of the effort, you know, to deal with it. And then the doctor goes and you replace them with the minister of uh, tourism. What what do you read into that appointment? Um, yes, um, again, I think you know in cabinet, unfortunately, Ramaphosa's options are very limited. I mean, if you look at that crowd in their cabinets, I mean, honestly, um, it's sometimes you know um, I, I think um, these are the worst people in South Africa. You know, um, the worst able people. You go choose them to run the country during the countries. You know, to be the worst crisis even our, in our generation, maybe the worst crisis in the last hundred years. And you choose the worst people, you know, the least competent people. Um, so it's very, very difficult. Although I think, you know, given that we are still in a state of disaster, a state of disaster does give, a, I think, the president the option um, to actually appoint outside the cabinet. Uh, of course, you know, the president may have to seek legal advice on that because, you know, um, you know there may be another uh, legal opinion on that. Uh, but I, I still think there are options. You could decide actually to go and get, a, you know, let's say, for example, Dr. Uh, um, Dr. Karim, um, he used to chair um, the advisory, um, um, you know, presidential advisory, uh, um, uh, COVID advisory committee, you know, one of those sort of people. Alternatively, if he's constrained in the politics of it, um, he could bring in Aaron Moshaledi, uh, who is also a medical doctor, um, into the space. I mean, his other option, medical doctor, of course, is um, a Dr. Kusuzana Tlamini Zuma. Although I think publicly there may be a, you know, a, a public opposition against an appointment. It may not go down well um, in the public. But I mean, these are his options. Mm, mm. Hey, Graham, you, you, you've been listening uh, uh, quietly there. Yeah, uh, while, while we, while we, <laughs> I'd, I'd like for you to come in because you, you've got the other leg of what we're talking about uh, this time. Uh, you've been watching the Gauteng sanitization scandal unfolding, uh, the, after, the aftermath of that. J- j- just give us a... In, you know, in, 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 in a background as to what, what has happened there. You know, I saw one of your stories saying that the, the, the beneficiaries had blown uh, about 40 million rand in weeks. Yeah, I mean, it, it's so, so basically this, this scandal started unfolding between June and December last year um, and, and tapering off last year when, when realization by um, government officials that there was shenanigans going on. Um, but basically, what happened was that there was 431 million rand that was set aside by the Gauteng Department of Education for, and this money was to be used to clean schools and education offices, um, such as teachers' learning centres, and that uh, where there were COVID outbreaks. And the government has a um, supplier database which is meant to be used because these companies are, one would think. 
uh, meant to be vetted for taxes, for compliance, etc., and would have had to have done work before for for government. Um, and in a nutshell, there were 280 companies that were appointed, which at the moment, and according to court documents that have been coming out in the special tribunal um, affidavits by the Financial Intelligence Centre and the Special Investigating Unit, show that that very little checks and balances were done to have a look and see whether these companies could actually deliver on, on cleaning these schools. Um, and millions and millions, I mean, to, to date, there are oh, there's four, well, 14 companies and about seven individuals, between seven and 11 individuals who are now under the microscope of the Special Investigating Unit for basically irregularly being awarded contracts uh, to clean schools. The Department of Education has refused or declined, depending on how you want to look at it, to say whether these schools were actually cleaned. Um, but in a nutshell, millions of rands have just been been spent on cleaning schools that may not have been cleaned or may not have needed to have been cleaned. And most of these monies are, are now gone with the SIU trying to to claw it back what little is is left back. Well, what does the SIU think? You know that that uh, looking at uh, the 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 apparent speed with which the 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 monies were being spent on all manner of things. Well, the the SIU believes that a lot of this money is is gone. I mean, they they said no no sooner was the money deposited into the accounts of of the companies and individuals who are now under investigation than it was moved. I mean, in 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 one case there was between when this is what we reported on last week in the Sunday Times, I think it was in, in the space of 10 days. I mean, you, you, you're talking about 20 million rand, nearly 20 million rand that was was spent. I mean, you're talking about high-end watches, cars, jewelry, investments. I mean, these guys seem to love um, investment politics, <laughs> policies. I mean, they're, they're really looking out for their, their families in the, in the future, if you look at how these multi-million rand policies are being being taken out so it's it's just money in money out as as quickly as possible if if you look at the uh affidavits that are before the the tribunal mm. and and not looking like money going being reinvested into a a a business in other words buying buying stock buying no, supplies definitely. equipment <laughs> you no, know? Definitely. we've spoken to for these these companies say so look we've we've our clients have done nothing wrong. Our clients didn't appoint themselves. You know, it's the, if the clients were appointed, then it, it's up to the department, and our clients can't be blamed um, for for their appointments and for department officials not following um, rules and regulations. I mean, it's it's very much it's a case of it wasn't me; it's all them. Um, uh, so yeah, it's, I mean, this this thing is going to be playing out. The first case. Um, Goes before the tribunal on the on the seventeenth of June, so it's going to be very interesting to to hear and to see what what comes out from the first the first hearing. So the, the tribunal is is not is, is not a, a court of law, is it? it? It's more it has more to do with recovering the monies. Yeah, it it, it is a court of law. It's it's uh, chaired by um, the presiding officers are are judges, so they they are appointed and and sworn in judges, and it's. All to do with recovering the the money. I mean, the the special investigating unit takes a case to um, the special tribunal for for adjudication, um, and then the the 
the judge or the presiding officers, there could be more than one judge uh, who sits in the and, and hears the matter, then makes a finding on whether the, the companies or people who received the f funds did so illegally or not, and then orders them to, to pay the monies back. And in cases where the monies can't be paid back, then then assets such as homes, cars, investment policies are are cancelled, sold off, and and seized. Mm. But but certainly this is more than just about the money or recovering the money. Uh, sh sh surely that there that there's a criminal element to these kinds of activities. Yes, I, I very much. I mean, the the special investigating unit and financial intelligence center are are pushing for. Uh, um, criminal charges to be be investigated from against not only the companies and the directors of the companies that received the, the money, but also Department of Education officials. I mean, they're, they're very senior Department of Education officials who have, who appointed these companies. Um, so they they're pushing for fraud, theft, corruption, money laundering. I mean, the yes, if you if you look at the charges that are being pushed for, it's it's longer than my arm, and I've got got long arms. So, um, <laughs> The, the, this this comes down to to governance. I mean, it's here you in the midst of a of a of a pandemic, an international pandemic. I mean, you you should be spending money wisely to ensure that people, especially children and and teachers, are are safe. And you know, the allegations are that the companies that were appointed couldn't do the jobs or, or weren't qualified to do the jobs yet. They get paid millions, and then you know, we go to the Department of Education and say, well, were the schools clean? Was anything done? And it's like, oh, we're not at liberty to to tell you. You know, we don't want to run a, a parallel commentary. I mean, that's and it's just you you gotta sit there and shake your head and just think, what on earth? Surely you should be able to say yes or no, work was not done. Yes or no, yeah. For for that kind of money, you know? No. Yeah. Uh, before we conclude, uh, uh, William, I'd like for you to come in here and, and help us get a perspective, man. The the what what do these two stories tell us about the environment? in which government is doing business with private entities. Um, what it shows us in just our, the biggest crisis of our generation, um, where people are actually dying, um, it shows us, you know, how far we've fallen, um, how the colorlessness, how colors people can be. And, but this has been happening, you know, all of these years. It's just now that a microscope is so much more um, uh, on people. I mean, just think about it, the impunity that people are taught that they can get away with because they, people have gotten away with this in the past. And of course, just now, because of the public outrage, uh, outrage we now actually see what is happening. But what's been happening, you know, all of these years in the country with other people getting away from you uh, uh, um, uh, without being um, held accountable. I mean, the sad part of this, of course, is, um, you know, um, you get the standard corruptly. Um, you're supposed to disinfect a school. Um, you don't do it. Uh, you know, children get um, COVID-19. Teachers get it. Teachers die. Children go home. They, you know, older elder parents they die. Um, you know, this is lives here. I mean, you know, how more cutthroat and ruthless? Um, how do we call it? Is uh, we call it them? We can call them political capitalists because they really are not even real entrepreneurs. I mean, they mostly just overnight set up their companies um, and that for. Um, the fact that they can exploit um, a moment in our country and our time when we are at our most vulnerable, um, you know, where people die 
of COVID-19, you know, um, and, um, you know, they take a tender corruptly. Um, they don't do the work. Um, and because they don't do the work, uh, the school or the place uh, um, of education um, is not um, disinfected. Um, a child gets COVID-19, uh, get a virus, uh, or a teacher gets the virus, teacher dies, child goes home, and the elder parent at home dies. Um, um, you, you know, how, how colors can you get? Because also, if you look at the other PPE scandals where people um, came up with substandard masks, for example, uh, uh, and if you have a substandard, uh, if we have substandard masks out there um, in the country, it just helps the spread uh, um, of the virus and people die. Um, you know, the economy um, doesn't recover uh, uh, quickly um, um, enough. Businesses close down because we are not deep and because corruption is actually one of the reasons why we are not getting the vaccination program going. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jens, I think we'll wrap it up here. Unfortunately, we've just about run out of time. I would have liked for us to carry on, you know, a bit longer, uh, but we, we, we have run out of time. Uh, I'd like to thank my guests, uh, William Kumete, who is the Associate Professor at the School of Governance at Fats University, as well as uh, Graham Hosken, who's, the, who's a senior reporter on the Sunday Times. Uh, I'd like to thank you very much for joining us. Uh, and by the way, you can catch our podcast on IO FM, Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts regularly. Uh, until next time, stay safe, sanitize, wear the mask, and avoid crowded places. My name is Mike Siluma, signing off. <laughs> <laughs>